Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. guest is Liana Downey. She is an internationally acclaimed strategic advisor dedicated to creating social change. She's also an author of a book called Mission Control. I wonder for you as a nonprofit leader if you've ever really tried to work with government agencies or perhaps you've been discouraged by that process or have had a bad experience. The theme for today is how nonprofits and government entities can work together more effectively to create positive change in our world. And Liana has wonderful experience and actual practical examples of how you can do that effectively. And particularly for nonprofit leaders, she'll talk about how you can work with government agencies and not have mission creep. And she's been all over the world working with various nonprofits and government agencies. I think you're going to really enjoy her insights. Liana, it is truly a privilege to have you on the show today. Thank you, Robert. It's a pleasure to be here. You got it. Well, we've got a lot of things we want to cover today. Uh, you've got, of course, a book out called Mission Control, and we're going to touch on that, and I'm sure you will reference that as you answer some of these questions. But let's jump right into it. Uh, the main theme today is going to be how can nonprofits and government entities work together more effectively to create positive change in our world? And so let me just start. From your past experience, what, in your opinion, is the most important role a nonprofit serves in our communities? Thanks, Rob. I think that's a great question. You know, the truth is nonprofits can do a number of different things. I think one of the best things about nonprofits is they have the opportunity to work both on very small issues and very big complex problems. So, you know, nonprofits can be of any size. So they can come together. It can be a group of people who are coming together about a specific issue that they're passionate on. It's often an issue that may not get a lot of attention because the scale is not so big. So you can have people who are focusing on a specific disease that might affect a small percentage of the population but affect them in a really dramatic way. And then, of course, you can also have nonprofits who are asking uh, big you know, questions around things like homelessness and hunger and poverty but are bringing a really interesting and innovative lens. So I think the nimbleness of nonprofits is really important. And I think the other thing that sets nonprofits apart from government organizations is that they can act to solve problems that need a long time to solve. Now, obviously, governments also, you know, should be working over the long term, but because we have cycles of, of you know, the democratic cycles, we often find that traction that is achieved in a particular area is lost. You know, the new government comes in, they kind of wipe the slate clean, they say we're going to start again. Nonprofits have the luxury in some senses of taking a much longer view on how to tackle complex issues. So I think those are a couple of the things that, that the nimbleness, the innovativeness, and the ability to take that long view are some of the really unique features of nonprofit organizations. 
Well said. And, you know, we've had people on the show before talking about how government agencies and nonprofits can work together. So having said that, the nimbleness factor for nonprofits and having that longer view, why is it so difficult, in your opinion, for nonprofits and government agencies to work together? In other words, why doesn't it happen more often? You know, I think the biggest issue that nonprofits and governments face in collaborating is the same issue that any cross-sectoral collaboration faces. It's really about a lack of understanding about the other, how the other group operates. And, you know, I actually believe that many of the challenges that nonprofits face are the same, same ones that governments face. I, I work with both government and nonprofits as clients. And I often see that the challenges that they're grappling with are very similar from one to the other. And yet sometimes that kind of understanding about how the other organization works just isn't there. Um, and I think one of the challenges in particular that governments and nonprofits face, particularly in the US, but I also see this in other countries where we work, is that there isn't real clarity about how much it costs to do work and do it effectively. There's been a bit of a consistent pattern of government funding of nonprofit activities that tends to underfund those activities. And that's just as much on the shoulders of nonprofit organizations as it is on the shoulders of government organizations because nonprofits, I think, need to do a better job about systematically communicating how much stuff really costs to do properly. Very good to know that, and I think that's true. I, what I find, too, is that you're right. You kind of get in your world of the nonprofit world, for example, if you work for that or if you work in a government agency. Um, it's hard to understand what the other person may be going through, and so therefore you come at a problem perhaps with a totally different perspective. So when you consult with, say, a nonprofit leader who is trying to build some bridges with government agencies or one in particular, what typically do you recommend them to do to start to make sure that they are more aligned, whether it be cost or for mission accomplishment? How do you coach that nonprofit leader? Yeah, you know, I think the first thing is not to wait until the, the proposal comes out. So, you know, one of the challenges of operating with governments is that at the point at which a proposal comes out, then because there's kind of all sorts of regulations around fair treatment for different agencies, uh, for different bidding organisations, that's when the conversations have to stop. Of course, you can submit questions and you can have that kind of communication, but that's not communication in the way that we really think about it, where you sit down and sitting down and having a conversation with somebody. So, I encourage non-profit organizations to start the conversation really well in advance of any proposals coming through because that allows you to have a much more realistic conversation about the issues that you're grappling with. It's like any other kind of relationship. You actually want to build relationships with people who are going to be making decisions. You want to give them your ideas about the way that you think things could be different. Generally, people in government welcome that reach out because one of the th one of the big things that's shifted, and again, this is a shift that you see in the U.S., particularly in the human services sector, but you see it in Canada, in Australia, in the United Kingdom as well, where much of the work that nonprofits is doing used to be done by government agencies, and what's shifted is that now nonprofit organisations are doing that implementation work. So you see that in homelessness, and mental health, and aged care, but it's now being paid for by government, and what that has led to is that there's sometimes a disconnect between what governments think they know and what they do know because there used to be a history where they really had a very good handle on 
the work that needed to be done because they were doing the work. And then now you've got a situation where you've got non-profit organisations who are doing that work but uh, are being paid by government to do that. So some, but, and, and governments don't always realise what they don't know and how much things have changed. So I think the first step is really about reaching out, having a conversation, talking about the issues that you see, the barriers to being successful, the, the needs that are arising from that community and being a voice. Generally, governments want to do the right thing and people who work in governments are there because they're passionate about trying to help you know, citizens live happier, more successful lives. But if we kind of get into the mindset of seeing seeing each, you know, the government as a kind of something to be worked around as opposed to an active partner in helping solve those problems, then it leads us to not have the kind of conversations that I think really can be powerful. So that's really the first step is is just sitting down and having a conversation and building relationships. It's very interesting. And I think about something from nonprofits' point of view when it comes to working with the government agency or organization. One of the things that a lot of nonprofits do is they advocate, right, for various policies. They'll advocate for, uh, say, it's um, a nonprofit that focuses on hunger issues. And so they want to advocate for anything related to uh, laws maybe that are going to be debated or changed that, um, you know, deal with hunger or poverty or serving people um, that are hungry. How do, on the one hand, nonprofits work alongside government while at the same time advocate for various policies that perhaps the person or group they're working with is opposed to what they're trying to do. How do they navigate through that? You know, in a way, I mean, of course, there, as you're laying out, there can be a contradiction because it may be that the agency says, you know, you guys have, you've got it all wrong. You know, the policy is wrong. But I actually think that it is exactly the right thing for a non-profit organization to work within the system that they want to change. Because if you stand to one side of the system, then you're liable you know, to be accused of not understanding how the system works. But if you're working within the system and you're there saying, look, here are the five things that are just not working with the way the system is at the moment, and if we had to change one thing, here's the number one thing we'd change, and here's what we'd change it to, that's very powerful. It's much more compelling than somebody who's kind of standing on the outside throwing stones. You know, I'm sure you've had the experience, and and I'm sure listeners... Uh, for your podcast as leaders of non-profit organizations have had the experience where you have an employee come to you and point out a flaw in the way your organization is working. If that employee gives you an idea about how it can be fixed, you're so much more open to thinking about, you know, taking that advice and making the change. But if all you hear are kind of complaints and you don't have the sense that that person's really trying to put themselves in your shoes and solve for the whole... I think that's much more difficult. So I actually think it's really powerful to say, look, we don't think that the system is configured the way it should be, but we're going to do the best we can within the system as it works, while at the same time giving you a really clear, consistent message about how we think the system should be different. Um, you know, not all nonprofit organizations have the capacity to engage in full-time advocacy, but I certainly encourage organizations always to join in with advocacy efforts. You know, oftentimes there are other kind of umbrella organizations that sit across all the organizations who are tackling a particular issue, and you should always make sure you've got a voice in that process, because if we don't continue to work and tweak and change the system, 
then we're never going to get a system that works for people. And certainly there's a lot that's broken in the system in its current formation. And so, you know, I think advocacy and the need for advocacy is really important. So it's a great question, but I think I think you've got to kind of have your cake and eat it too. You've got to be in there working within the system while at the same time trying to agitate for change. Excellent. And I think, you know, as nonprofits begin to work with government organizations, my guess would be this. There is going to be a temptation for that nonprofit potentially to go off of mission when there's an opportunity, particularly if there's funding, say, working with a government agency and that government agency provides more income for a particular, you know, uh, project or service. And your book, of course, is Mission Control. And one of the key ideas I know is to make sure you stay on mission. Um, How do you consult with a nonprofit to prepare them to not drift when it comes to the mission? Say when they start working with government organizations, they start to, to advocate for various things. And all of a sudden they find themselves in an awkward position of wanting to get greater funding. But by doing so, it actually brings them away from their primary mission. How do you work with nonprofits that maybe are struggling with that balance? Yeah, I mean, you're right, it's such a big issue. And clearly, as you said, you know, I've written a book called Mission Control, and it's all about how organizations can focus so that they can achieve more and, you know, and really succeed in their ultimate mission of changing the world. And you've hit the nail on the head that one of the biggest challenges for organizations and the reason that missions get out of control is this question of funding. And it can happen with government funding, but it can also happen with foundation funding or other sources of funding. And so the counsel that I give to folks is really about helping them get very, very clear on who they want to be and what they want to do. So I'm an advocate for organizations really pushing themselves to set what I describe as a spine-tingling goal, a very clear goal that articulates a state that you know, is achievable. So I actually, I actually encourage organizations to think in kind of three-year, three to five-year horizons about something that they think they could achieve and work towards that. If you don't have that in place, you're, and most organizations don't, most organizations have a pretty kind of wishy-washy mission that is full of feel-good kind of statements, things around community engagement and self-determination and some of those sorts of other phrases that can mean a lot of different things to different people, but they really haven't challenged themselves to get a very clear spine-tingling goal. So to give you an example of what a spine-tingling goal might look like, if an organization is working in mental health, rather than you know setting their aspiration to improve the lives of people living with mental health challenges, which you don't really know if you've achieved it or not, you know, an organization could set themselves the aspiration to halve the rate of suicides in their town, in the, you know, in the areas that they're working. That's a very, very different kind of goal. It might lead you actually to do very similar kinds of activities, but what it will help you do when you get that clarity and then you have, and you have a goal, what it gives you is a really clear way to make decisions. And so it allows you to say, will pursuing this grant be it with government or with foundations, help us get to that goal? Will it help us halve the rate of suicides? Will it help us clean up this specific river? Will it help us house 100,000 chronically homeless people like one of my clients set that incredibly spine-tingling goal and actually achieved it uh, earlier last year? The, the clarity that comes from setting a goal like that 
allows you to take back control of your mission. It allows you to address one of the core issues of mission creep, core causes of mission creep, which is chasing funding. And it also addresses some of the other issues that lead to mission creep. You know, one of them is that organizations often start without really having a good understanding of the root causes behind the issue that they're trying to address. So, you know, I often refer back to this example of there's a food bank around the corner from me and they were set up because they noticed that there was hunger in the community and as they started to get to know that community more deeply and start to understand some of the root causes of those issues, they started to add other services. So they noticed that people were also homeless, so they started to provide emergency shelter services. They started to provide clothes and toys. They also started to provide job training. Those are all fantastic programs, but the question that any organization should ask themselves is not just is there a need for that issue, but are we the best organization to be providing those services, or could we think about partnering with another organization? And so if you're very clear on what your goal is, it helps you understand in a really thoughtful, systematic way the root causes behind the issue that you're trying to tackle. And then the other thing, the other kind of the third issue behind mission creep is that people have a hard time saying no. So, you know, again, getting very clear about the goal helps you address that issue of mission control. So in answer to your question, you know, if you get clear about what the goal is that you're trying to achieve and you commit to saying no to certain funding because you know at the end of the day that you have a very clear path that you're on and that the more you invest in that path as opposed to getting distracted in other paths, the more likely you are to change the world. What's really interesting you talk about really clarity of mission is the critical piece to greater impact. That if you, the more clear the goal, the more clear the mission of a nonprofit, uh, again, the greater impact they're going to have. So sometimes that idea of less is more is really the truth uh, when it comes to our mission, sounds like. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's, it's the trick is to do less but do it better. Now let's move on to, so as we work with government organizations as nonprofits and we get very, very focused on our mission, um, do you have some examples? I mean, you already have mentioned a few more, but, or you have mentioned some, but let's mention a few more. Nationally or even regionally, uh, can you point to some examples of how nonprofits and government agencies have really worked together successfully without, again, moving the nonprofit's mission away from its core mission? Uh, give us some examples of where you've really seen this done well, again, whether it be nationally or regionally. Absolutely. So one example is a crime reduction program that I worked on in, in Australia, in one of the largest, well, in the largest state in Australia. And the, the head of the, the kind of the government head of the state, so the equivalent of kind of the senator, set a very clear goal for the state around reducing assault crimes. So there'd been a general trend that other crimes had gone down, but assault crimes had bucked that trend. So that's people, you know, beating each other up, basically, violent assault. And that had continued to go up. And so I was engaged at that point from the government side to launch a campaign that would help reduce assault crimes. We did not have a budget for this work. So it was about working within the existing... We had a mandate, a very clear mandate, um, and we had access to senior to senior government officials, but there wasn't a kind of a... There wasn't like a whole lot of money to be spent on it. The clarity of that goal 
allowed us to first get the facts, so get very clear about where, which were the areas in which we were seeing excessively high assault rates. So we were able to hone in on and, and set up a pilot across five different areas where they saw extraordinarily high assault rates. And one of the first things we did was pull together again, a really clear fact base about what was happening. And so in some of those areas, it was because um, the, the, the assaults were happening on housing estates. In some of those areas, they were happening just outside of uh, a few bars that had you know, early closing hours and people were coming out, they were drunk, they were disorderly, there was no kind of good transport mechanisms to get people home after they'd been at the bars and, and violence ensued. So those are just a couple of examples of the kinds of problems, but there were very specific issues in each different area. And understanding the nature of those issues in a very detailed way enabled us to invite people to the table who were representatives of those issues. So whether they were non-profits who were working in the housing estates, whether they were the people who were managing the bars, whether they were people who were in charge of the alcohol licensing uh, regulations. So in each area, we pulled together a cohort of non-profit and government organizations who are tackling this issue and just really worked together, gave them a very, very clear set of here's the information so everybody could see the issues, they could see the problems, they had more information than they'd ever had before. This is the times that the assault rates are happening, these are the dates that they're happening and then we just let people come together and articulate what they thought needed to be done and inevitably the non-profit leaders you know, had a very clear viewpoint on the policy changes that needed to be made. And uh, in some cases, different government agency heads also had similar ideas, but they never sat together and talked about these issues. And it just, you know, just as I was saying before, having a conversation. So that process led to a plan of, of things that needed to happen. And in most cases, there were very simple solutions. We've got broken public toilets. Let's fix the public toilets. We don't have a transport mechanism. Let's stagger the closing time so that all the bars don't close at the same time. Let's close that food venue. Really like what feels like really kind of small little bits and pieces. And we were able to take that, take those requests and take them to the most senior kind of government officials. In many cases, again, there was no money involved. It was just about, well, what's the thing that's been holding that up? You know, it was some agency or some organization can't we just kind of fix it? And so we were able to fix a bunch of those issues and assault rates uh, went down 20% and continued to go down. Uh, we, we did a follow-up piece of work three years later and they remained down. So I think that's a very good example. I mean, there are tons of examples. I touched on the 100,000 Homes campaign where non-profits really led the way, pulling together a whole lot of non-profit organisations to again kind of identify the key issues that were stopping people from housing people who'd been homeless for more than 10 years and understand that in some cases there were really simple barriers like people were requiring um, people to have three forms of ID, you know, <laughs> if you've been homeless for more than three years, you know, you, you know, or more than 10 years, you certainly don't have any ID on you. So in some cases it was just really simple things and and government started to get involved at the table, started to see the impact, and now has come in in a big way to support the rollout of those programs. So I think there's lots of different ways that uh, success can happen. It always, the, the kind of the key dimensions are clarity about the goal, 
bringing people together, real conversations, openness and willingness and commitment to that goal, which means that you will kind of get through the stuff that stopped you in the past, and leadership makes a big difference as well, you know, to the extent that there's somebody either on the non-profit or on the government side who is a really, who's really driving that process, that's critical. Wonderful example uh, that you shared with us. And it sounds like, from your point of view, you're very hopeful when it comes to nonprofits and government agencies working together. You've seen some positive examples. So what does the future hold? Do you feel like this is a, a necessary thing that nonprofits and government agencies have to work together? Or is it more that you just feel like they're doing it better now? Look, I think the truth is we don't have a choice. You know, government still is funding a lot of the work that nonprofits do, and, you know, they're the gatekeepers for a lot of the kind of way things are structured. But, you know, I would also say that I, I do have optimism, I think in part because I've had the opportunity to work across different countries. And I think that, you know, unfortunately, many folks in the U.S. are just so kind of depressed about what government can do because for many people they've only had <laughs> negative experiences from you know going to the DMV. I have a, a story, a friend of mine is married to um, an Australian and he was, they, they moved to Australia about a year ago and he was dragging his heels on getting his driver's license and she was like come on already just go and do it and they were in a shopping mall and she was like okay today's the day. He's like what do you mean? She's like go get your license, go to the thing go get your license. And he went off and then 10 minutes later he came back and he had his license. And he was, you know, his jaw was on the floor because he'd only had the terribly bureaucratic, you know, bang your head against a wall experience of the DMV from his experience in a couple of different states uh, here in the US. And the truth is government can work well. It does require investment. It does require collaboration. But there are also some great and shining examples of, you know, government doing amazing work here in the U.S. at the city level, at the state level. So I think, you know, as I said, we don't have a choice. I am optimistic. I have seen it work well. I've seen it work well here. I've seen it work well in other countries. And I think we have to hold our government to high standards around uh, the, the fact that, agencies don't have to be bureaucratic. They can be more efficient. It does require some investment. But the solution is not to kind of throw everything out and privatize because that just doesn't work. You know, it just doesn't work for, for people who are living in poverty who need different kinds of services. So, yeah, I, I, um, I encourage people to get in there and give it a go to hold government to high standards and governments should likewise hold nonprofits to high standards. Um, but we're, we're, we're trying to solve issues that are too complex. They, they can't be solved by anyone working in isolation. We've got to pull together. Well, I really agree with you. I think the issues are too complex. Um, the stakes are too high. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you have found very successful examples of, again, government organizations working well with nonprofits. I do think there are people out there, uh, perhaps that work in either uh, you know, institution and they are skeptical towards the other. And I think particularly I bumped into the nonprofit world uh, where leaders feel like uh, there's too much red tape with government agencies and so it's difficult and so they give up and, and 
they said, well, I'll just focus all of my time in the nonprofit sector. So I'm glad to hear uh, somewhat of a fresh perspective to say, no, it can happen. Now, there has to be a lot of dialogue and there, there is successful examples to look to. But I, I think you're right. Bottom line is we have to. I think we're at a stage in, in our world where the needs are so high, the, the issues are complex. We All of us need to work together. So thank you so much for what you're offering in that vein. And again, uh, you know, if people want to find out more about your book, number one, and more about you and all that you offer, uh, where would you point them? Thanks for asking. Listeners, you can check out www.missioncontrolbook.com, all one word, missioncontrolbook.com. You can download a free copy of the first chapter of Mission Control. There are other resources, blogs, and free tools for organizations. The book itself, Mission Control, How Nonprofits and Governments Can Focus, Achieve More, and Change the World, is also available through Amazon, through Barnes & Noble, through most good bookstores. So uh, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for your listeners for all the hard work that I know that you're doing each and every day. (laughs) It's tough stuff. Hang in there. Well, thank you so much, Leon. It's been great to have you on the show. And thank you for what you're doing, too, because obviously you're, you're helping a lot of different nonprofits uh, do their work better. And again, just for those who maybe had not heard the beginning, we had Liana Downey, an internationally acclaimed strategic advisor here on our show today. Um, she's the executive director of Liana Downey & Associates. Uh, Downey leads a high-performing global team that helps visionary social leaders and organizations increase focus and change lives. She also has a book out, Mission Control, which I highly recommend, and uh, you can go check it out and help your organization become more focused. And as she said earlier in the podcast, less is more, and clarity with your mission is absolutely critical if you want to make the greatest impact you possibly can. So again, Liana, thank you so much. Great insights. Really appreciate what you're doing. Thanks for taking time to be on the podcast today. Brilliant. Thank you so much. I wanted to let you know that we are on iTunes. If you are wondering how to find out where we are, check us out on iTunes by typing Nonprofit Leadership Podcast or Rob Harder, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help us expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as we can. You can also go online to listen to this podcast, either nonprofitleadershippodcast.org or my website, robharder.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep making your world better.